0: Chris Lynn has taken the wild thing and awesome. sent him possibly into the rooms on the roof. Look at the look on his face. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. Oh, that was close. He's
1: given it up. He's given it in. Siddle's got a hat trick on his birthday. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Ober and Stunts podcast. Powered by the Inner Sanctum, we've made it to podcast nine, which is fantastic. And as the weeks go on, there is just more and more fantastic cricket to talk about, and we're here to run through it all. I'm joined this week by our first grade star, Will Cuxon. Cucko, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Don't know if you can call me much of a star, but I'll take it. <laughs> and joining us again from the City Year Churches is our one of our favourite South Australians, Zach Standish. How are you doing, mate?
2: Yeah, good, good, John. I'm very, very happy to be to be back on the podcast talking cricket with you
1: guys. Very, very excited. It's great to have you back here in a week where, well, there's just been Test cricket everywhere. It's on there's almost been a bit of a subcontinental Test cricket party, and it's almost like, well, especially with the events of the last couple of weeks, that even though they weren't going to the subcontinent, that Australia declined the invite to the Test cricket party after the week, what that was when they pulled out of South Africa and all the fallout that goes with that. But we're here to talk about everything and all the heroes and storylines that goes with it. But it has to be said that 2021, well, at least the start of 2021, has given us some unbelievable test cricket and completely don't know if it ever needed to be revitalised, but it's just been given it the extra kick and say, hey, test cricket, absolute top of the mountain, nothing else comes close. Absolutely right, Jono.
0: Plenty of uh, thrilling games are at the moment. India versus England going into day five as we speak, and then Bangladesh versus the West Indies. That went, went into day five, as did um, Pakistan versus South Africa, but we'll, we'll get to those in a minute as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just makes it even worse that Australia's tourist Africa got called off. I mean, there's so much great cricket going on, and you kind of sit here as an Australian fan having a fair bit of FOMO watching all this great cricket,
1: and we're not a part of it. It's no good. Mm. Well... We, we discussed on last week's podcast all the reasons and all the ramifications that Australia would have had by pulling out of their tour. And, you know, right, rightfully so, South Africa are pretty shitty about the whole thing and Australia pulling out of the 11th hour, but it was a sensible decision. And we Australian cricket fans were, we're watching some fantastic cricket being played offshore in the greatest format. And we've got some Sheffield Shield and some five T20s in New Zealand to look forward to with a not a second string side but more of a Adam Collins referred to it as a party bus tour on Twitter a couple of weeks ago but nonetheless we'll watch that with great interest when it comes around in the meantime though as you said we'll day five in Chennai got away not long ago so we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon this week because it's the only time that works for a lot of us and well, the story of this game has really been the continued form of Joe Root. He started 2021 in absolutely breathtaking form. He's made three hundreds in a row, not just any hundreds, but massive hundreds, two doubles and a 180. He's got something like 684 runs from three tests in 2021. And I think he's making an audition. I don't know whether or not he really fell out of the Big batsman in the world. It was always um, Virat Kohli, Steve Smith, and Kane Williamson. But is he knocking on the door to get right back into that group and back to the top?
0: Yeah, I think he. I think he definitely is. The the form he's in right now definitely warrants it. And um, yeah, he's just been in an unbelievable touch at the moment.
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree, Will. I mean, he did I, I I do feel that that Joe Root did fall out of that big four for a period there. I mean, after he took over the Cap and see there were definitely a few growing pains, came over to Australia and kept getting those starts and couldn't go on with it in the ashes are over there as well. So it's it's good to see him finally can convert those, um converting them into big scores. And yeah, he's I'm definitely here to say that he's back in the big four and could be pushing for the uh, the big two or the uh, or the or the top spot if he keeps going on like this.
1: Yeah, the the, the the constant knock on Joe has always been his ability to convert. He's got something like 48 um, half centuries in test cricket, which is ridiculous. Amazing consistency to score that many runs, but he just hasn't been able to convert. Well, not only has he been able to convert, he's gone on to convert into big hundreds and make them into double hundreds and definitely well and truly on his way back to being... Well, one of one of England's greatest greatest ever batsmen, he played his 100th Test this week, and English pundits Michael Vaughan, Jeffrey Boycott, Alistair Cook have said he's going to go on and play plenty more Test matches and score plenty more runs, and probably end up being one of England's England's greatest ever players to ever ever play for them. Um, in terms of getting back in the Big Four or the Big Five, it might even be the Big Six now with the emergence of. Martinus Labashain over the last couple of years, it's almost, it almost seems right that he's heading into this massive year for English cricket and he's leading from the front right in the form that he's meant to be in. I think, um, I think what you said there about Root going on
0: to be one of England's best ever is definitely a good hot chance to do that, Jono. Um, I think he'd be nearing 8,500 runs now. I think he's jumped ahead of a few big names, and obviously um, Sir Alistair Cook right at the top with 12,000, but England have got, I think it's 14 test matches this year, so if, if Root goes well in lots of those, he could be, um, yeah, well and truly
1: above the rest um, in the meantime. Mm, 17 test matches England have to play in 2021. There's 14, they've played three, they've got 14 more to go. It's, it's going to make quite a bit of runs if he's in the form that is in Another batsman who's in form or well, behind the wicket when Joe Root's batting is Rishabh Pant. Zach, he came out to bat and absolutely took Jack Leach to the cleaners um, the other night. And in- England had plenty of runs on the board. It's not like that they were getting damaged by the rate that Rishabh Pant was scoring his runs. But the, geez, the damage that this guy can do when he walks into bat, it's just unbelievable. And it's almost like, he is one of the cricketers that when he's batting, you just simply have to watch.
2: For sure, Jono. It definitely makes you think why he wasn't in that, that first test side at the Abad Oval in um, early December. He is, he is probably the, the box office item of, of world cricket at the moment. He just comes out to the crease and changes games. Man, there, there was no reason why Rishabh Pant should have gone out there and played the way he did. India in, were in all sorts of trouble. There were 400, 350 runs down. Bajara at the crease, all they need to do was take time out of the game and he still just went out there and took the game on. It's exactly what world, world cricket needs. And, yeah, this guy is just going to be absolute, Now, yeah. words, words can't even describe what, what he's going to do for the game with his, um, with his entertainment value. Well, you touched
1: on it there, Zach. It's the third test in a row where it's walked out to the middle and India have been in a little bit of a pickle at either either three down or four down. Pajara's still there. And he comes in, just starts going absolutely bang right from ball one. And that almost allows Pajara to free his arms a little bit and not just be that anchor and almost flip the game on, it, on its head. Yes, they were 400 runs or so behind when Pajara came to the wicket. At Chennai, but it just allows him to play that certain way, and he he has his flaws, but is unbelievable for Test cricket. And will we see players like Rishabh Pant, or maybe not exactly like Rishabh Pant, come and go? But this, for me, is just a classic case of you laud the player of what the, of their ability and what they can do, rather than roast him for what he can't do. I think um yeah
0: I think you're right there, Jono. He's just at the moment, and yeah. Obviously with these these past couple of tests that he's played, just such a key cog for that India side. So I think um I mean, yeah for all the all the shortcomings about his keeping, I think um he's well and truly um, deserving of his spot in the side just purely um, on the basis for his batting and his kind of dynamic
1: ability to take the game away from the opposition. Certainly is going to be fun to watch, and if he gets a bat later today we wait with bated breath to see how he goes about and see, who knows, maybe if they need 380-odd to win, he might say, you know what, stuff it like he did at the Gabba and go, go on and get them and put on a great partnership with either Washington Sundar or someone else who's in at the time. But in terms of setting the game up, I thought England couldn't have played this Test match any, any better. They batted the first couple of days and they batted really, really smartly, really batting time, which is what you've got to do playing in India and really making sure that you take the time to get in. Yeah, you're going to get a good ball every now and again with the class bowlers or that India possess, but it's a real blueprint of how to play in India. And we spoke about Joe Root before, the way that he swept the ball and used the crease and got down the wicket and tacked the spinners. It was just a masterful display of batting from England in that first innings.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, obviously, we all said it before. Joe Root's batting was exceptional. The way he used his feet to the spinners, he was over the ball. He wasn't pushing at it like as you saw a few of the um, the in- England openers in Sri Lanka. There was a big di- discussion of their technique against the spinners. Joe Root showed them exactly how to do it. Um, and then, then Ben Stokes as well. I mean, he he's the, the way he sort of counterparted Joe Root through the through the middle part of that innings was spectacular. Because unlucky to miss out on hundred there. He. But Ben Stokes, that we'll probably talk about it a bit later, is just an, an absolute, he, he's like Pant one of those box office players in test, test cricket. And yeah, England just, yeah, as you said, Jono, they just played that innings to
1: perfection and they're in the absolute box state to take a 1-0 lead in the series. From Australia's point of view, they'll be hoping that England take a 1-0 lead in the Test series because it helps them reach that World Test Championship final. Um, but in terms of going for that win, there was plenty of discussion on the sphere last night regarding the, the way that they went about it in their second innings and batting for either batting time or batting for a declaration. It's very interesting to see the way that all, all these situations kind of pan out. And meanwhile, while England were sort of plodding along and losing wickets, Ravi Ashwin just did what he did in his home condition. Zach just kept on taking another Fifer and more wickets and just really proving himself as one of the great all time modern day off spinners.
2: Yeah, Ravi Ashwin is a r- ridiculous bowler and just the, the the way that he gets his wickets is actually very interesting. So if you look at the um at the 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 tally of of te- test five wicket holes, Ravi Ashwin sits in the top 10 of that list. He sits around 8 and then he's got, he's got 28 five wicket holes. He's only two behind James Anderson, who's a player who's played 72 more test matches and taken 300 more wickets. So it just really goes to show that although Ravi Ashwin maybe isn't as consistent as Anderson, when he gets wickets, he uh, gets them in massive clumps.
1: It's been a very, very good few months for the champion off spinner from India. India had his best tour to Australia and is following it up on his home deck, on his home patch in Chennai. Really, really a masterful display. And his batting ability has come back as well in recent times and India will definitely need it to keep themselves alive in this first test match of the series, moving or well, moving around to the rest of the subcontinent, one of the lower profile test series, um, but it sure gave us a hell of a lot of drama and plenty of fantastic things to watch. It would have been nice if we could actually watch this somewhere, but it's, um, it's almost as if we'll, that, you know, we weren't able to watch it. So something amazing was bound to happen.
0: And something amazing certainly did happen, as you say, Jono. You see Bangladesh, I think, made 430 um, in the first innings. And the West Indies sort of looked on the back foot from then. But um, just an absolute masterclass from debutant Kyle Mayers. By the way, averaged about 28 in first-class cricket before that innings. Came in at number five, pulled off 210. Just unbelievable. 210 not out at that as well. Probably have to say it's one of the one of the best innings
1: ever sixth player ever to score a double ton in the fourth innings of a test match the first man to score a double ton on debut it is one of the craziest innings you'll possibly, Ever see it's contributing to the highest ever successful run chase in India, 395 for seven. They were at the end of the day, and this was a West Indies second eleven. Um, numbers three, number four, and number five were all on debut because some because a lot of their bigger batsmen decided to stay home due to COVID. It's just it's one of the most remarkable days in the recent history of West Indies cricket, probably in the last 20 years of. West Indies cricket. And again, it just goes to show that test cricket is live and kicking and the appetite to watch cricket is clearly there. You look at some of the numbers coming out of England with the series against India now shown on free-to-air TV and some of the numbers there from day one is absolutely fantastic. You had 96,000 people between the ages of 18 and 34 who would have never seen... Joe Root bat live on Free to Air TV, watching him make his hundred, which is unbelievable, and that's only a small microcosm of England society. And of course, where if there's a will, there is a way. But it's almost as if there's the real appetite for it, and we don't know why it wasn't shown anywhere or why we couldn't actually see this.
2: For sure, I mean, cricket is something that really is such a great sport, and. It's it's just crazy to think that that in England for so many years that it was behind paywalls for thousands and thousands of people. It's just absolutely incredible. So um, for us here to 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 not be able to see um, this this young player Kyle Mayers go out there and just put put out one of the absolute great performances and really stick it to all those experienced players who decided you know what Bangladesh COVID I'm just going to sit this one out, sit in the palm trees in out in Jamaica, sit at home. Um, it's just it's just great to see and, and and these storylines are why we love Test cricket so much and. Yeah, as You said that that uh, that access should be available to everyone. And in Australia, we've been lucky we've had Channel 9 for so long. And even now, with uh, Fox Cricket taking more and more, no, you no, know, none of the white ball stuff being on free to air, or we'll even just get a stream
1: bit- on KO going. Like, I would have sat there and watched it,
2: sure. Yeah, especially when this place, yeah, old mate here, Kyle is out here, 185 not out. Like, it's just crazy stuff,
1: absolutely crazy. Well, you could get creative, like Pakistan and Sri Lanka recently, Pakistan had their. Test series against South Africa was just wrapped up and everyone was just watching that along on YouTube where there wasn't um, television rights, which was another day five thriller, another fantastic test match um, in Rawalpindi, Pakistan, sewing that up to sweep the series. A very, in- another again, another fascinating series full of interesting storylines. South Africa, well, they just keep falling deeper and deeper into... A bit of a hole, it must say, which is sad for the world game of cricket in South Africa. Um, but it also shows that Pakistan, back at home, are taking advantage of their home conditions. I
0: think, um, the thing, yeah, you would have you would have looked at the looked at the scorecard or the score halfway through um, South Africa's second innings, and you would have thought, oh. After seeing uh, what Kyle Mays has done the day before, you would have thought, oh, they might be a hot chance to do it here again. And um, three for 135 they were at. But um, yeah, you see the second new ball come around and they lost, I think it was like seven for 36 or something, something ridiculous like that inside 10 overs and, and the game's done. But yeah, certainly um, test cricket as enthralling as ever.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. You, look at, you look at the way that they were batting and particularly in their second innings, you've got... Russie van der Dussen and Aiden Markham, they're being dubbed as a bit of the future for South Africa. They're batting beautifully. Um, one 128, chasing 370. You're thinking, these two are set. This is this chase is well and truly on. Aiden Markham gets to his 100. All of a sudden, van der Dusen gets out, and then you're thinking, oh, no. And then they go on to collapse a little bit, and it's just that, another further ball away for South African cricket.
2: Yeah, it's just great to see, Firstly, um, Aiden Markram. I mean, he was someone who really announced himself to the cricket world um, in that Australia series three years ago. And he's just, he's the way, you know, it's just perfect one-day opener. He's very aggressive, has a beautiful technique. He can, you know, as we, as we saw in Durban, he can, he can you know, play, play his way through these fourth innings quite nicely. So it's great to see him bat well. And unfortunately for South Africa, they did, Whole, uh, you know, 7 for 30 collapse there sort of um, ended that dream but just on a more broader spectrum just how good is it to have cricket back in Pakistan I mean these people have been starved of the game that they all you know absolutely love for over a decade so just to have a team like South Africa come there and you know put on so, you know two great test matches it's just absolutely fantastic for the world game and from an Australian point of view it'd be interesting to see whether they choose to 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 tour pakistan in in the coming years or whether they want to go to dubai or because i think yeah i think it's going to be a very very um interesting point of discussion moving forward
1: well it they are slated to tour pakistan i mean england are heading over to pakistan later in the year and in 2022 um australia it's in the Future Tours program. Australia is scheduled to go to Pakistan and they're scheduled to go to Bangladesh and they're scheduled to go to Afghanistan as well to play a test match in a test series. So it will be interested, interesting to see if Australia follow through and it's great, as you said, Zach, that countries, not, not just the smaller countries, but South Africa have gone to Pakistan, England will be going back to Pakistan and it, now it, it's a big wait and see and almost... Everyone is watching Australia to see if they will go back to Pakistan to play cricket. They've had their own thing about not going there even before cricket stopped being played, played there since the terrorist attack. But it will be interesting to see if, whether or not they get back there. A breakthrough for Pakistan in Mohammad Rizwan finally breaking through for his maiden test. Tiny captain of the team over in New Zealand. And it was a nice, it was really nice to see him, one of the guys that's really come on in test cricket, who's part of this new Pakistani regime with Mishbal Haq and Waka, who have really put together this Pakistani team. And for him, is growing as a test cricketer every single time he steps out, which is fantastic for him. Let's move on. That's the funniest thing I've seen for a long time. Now, how many of
2: you pick this up? I can't believe it, and he can't either.
1: So I'm Sorry What, one of our favourite segments here on the Over and Stump's Cricket Podcast. It's a chance for all of us to have a, have a bit of a whinge, have a bit of a look, have a bit of a see as to something that has popped up in the cricketing world recently that we made, made a bit of a double take to and have a bit of a thinker. I was like, hang on, surely that's not right. I'm sorry, what's going on? Zach, you've got the new ball this week. Oh, mate, this is something
2: that really cuts me as a South Australian in general. Um, Callum Ferguson, one of the great domestic players of our generation, very unlikely not playing more international cricket, by the way. I'll just put that out there for you guys. Um, The captain of the Sydney Thunder has done a great job over the past few seasons there. I think he just took out the mantle last this season. If I'm correct, this season or last season, Um, he's effectively been told he's uh, done from the Sydney Thunder, which is just absolutely remarkable considering he was there batting three, making tons and tons of runs.
1: I, I'm sorry, what, why, like cutting a captain is just that's absolutely ridiculous. It's a bit weird. You can understand with the Thunder with some of their youth coming through and the power of their international signings this year in Usman Kwaja as well at the top of the order but for someone like uh, Callum Ferguson who's captained that club so well in recent years yeah that that one was a weird one I, I can imagine why it cut you so much Zach seeing as you're not going to see him play for the Redbacks anymore because he's hung up the hat maybe, maybe maybe back to the Strikers next
2: year we'll see how we go
0: all the renegades you never know could um, <laughs> could use a bit of experience
1: in the batting department um, but yeah we'll <laughs> Be interesting to see how that one pans out. Okay, back to SA, yeah, they certainly do. Um, so this is something that um, I, I raised in the in the Brisbane test when I'm watching Shubman Gill smack the Australian boulders to all parts of the Gabon. Watching him again in the recent test in Chennai, I cannot believe that Shubman Gill does not have a bat sponsor yet. He's still batting with a clean skin bat. How has someone? not gone and said, you know what, take all my money. I will buy that space on your beautiful bat with your beautiful arm swinging your bat, sending that cricket ball to all parts. It is beautiful to watch. Who would not want their sticker? I'll give all the money that I have for a sticker on of my face on that bat. It is so beautiful. I'm sorry, seriously, cricket bat companies, like, come on, give this guy a payday he deserves.
2: Oh, I remember a few, a few weeks ago, John. You, you saying the exact same thing about you know, get a sticker of your face and put it on it. Yeah, we officially made this point. Um, yeah, three weeks ago, and you said you'd be very, very surprised to see if someone
1: hasn't done it. I cannot believe it is still vacant. We might, we might make it an over and stumps. Um, we might make it an over and stumps campaign to get the, our logo on Mingill's bat. Okay, so we might, we might yeah, set up that company right, after the show to campaign to get our logo on Shubman Gill's bat. So there you go. There you go, Shubman. We will come forward and we will sponsor
2: you. I can't wait. Everyone needs to get get on the uh, inner, inner sanctum and read our articles then if we're gonna make that happen.
1: The it inner have a look there and we will set up something very serious. <laughs> Changing tack now. One thing that caught my eye uh yesterday
0: it was was um Tasmanian premier cricket final. Um yeah, yeah, rock, rocking up to play the final, um, and, and none other than uh, Australian Test captain and wicketkeeper Tim Payne is is playing for University of Tasmania, but he's not wicketkeeping, and he's not captaining, but he does open <laughs> the bowling, which was an absolutely phenomenal thing to see. What did he um, buy? <laughs> It was just just bowled some some gentle meds, getting a nice little bit of shape with the new ball there, but then. Then he came on, came on a bit later in the innings. Big partnership for the for the third wicket. Um, came on, started bowling spin and got the breakthrough there. So that was, um, yeah, that was incredible viewing.
1: You reckon his teammate Bo Webster's been teaching him some tricks of how to swap between pace and spin? Oh, you'd have to think so, wouldn't you? Good, good handy, uh, handy skill to have.
2: Imagine just like going go into the shed after your after your um your premier game and saying I got I I got out I got out to Tim Payne today bowling like I, got, the, I got
1: bowled out by the Australian wiki keeper.
2: You'd just be like, "I'm so yeah." You'd be like, "It's just saying, I'm sorry." What? Like it's just crazy stuff.
0: Uh,
1: I, I don't know if I'd be honoured or disappointed about that. To be honest, I, It'd be a good one to tell I the walk, grandkids. I don't, I don't know if I'd walk back into the sheds. I might just walk straight to my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be doing the same. <laughs> well that's it for that moving right along the bbl um wrapped up this week in sydney the sydney Sixers got home well they got home to the scg finally for the first time this year and they bought home their third title which is fantastic for that organization they really have been one of the leaders in the field for so many years now and Bringing home their third title, their second in a row, they they did it rather clinically in the end with some massive finals performances, particularly with the likes of James Vince just going out and hitting runs absolutely everywhere for fun, making another ninety on Saturday at their CG and then just abs- then just doing a number of them, the purse scorches and the bowling innings.
2: Yeah, with the Sydney Sixers, you like you just get a feeling that. They're just gonna perform when they when the pressure's at its absolute highest. I mean, they've just got T twenty players of the highest ilk on that team. They're always there. They always, um, you know, they they're very assured and composed in every situation. And yeah, although they they might have had their struggles through portions of the regular season, you just always thought that they would get to the finals as they did, top of the ladder, two wins, easy easy money. I mean, the the Sydney Sixers, yeah, this team is one of the absolute best I think I've seen in um in the BBL's ten year history
1: they just recruit really, really well. And to be able to get Carlos Brathwaite back for a full year, knowing that he'd be available to recruit someone with the quality and the experience of Dan Christian, who does jobs with the ball, with the bat at crucial times, at either end of the game and in either innings, it's, it was very, very shrewd. And as you said, Will, they've just got the players that are that have the experience and are made for the occasion, you know, middle order players such as Jordan Silk and Dan Hughes and even, even, you know, even players from grade cricket, like Justin Avendano, who's coming for a few games and Ben Warshis, who's not the biggest name in Australian cricket, but been on the periphery of Australian selection once and is just a very, very good, consistent bowler in that format of the game. And they just continue showing up and they keep most of their squad together. And that's why they that's why they are really, really successful. And it's another fantastic bit of success for Greg Shippard, who's now won nine domestic titles ever since has been involved in domestic cricket in the game, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. And Yeah, another another guy who we also saw when his ninth
0: title was uh, was Dan Christian. Won them all over the world. I think that would be his second or third Big Bash title now as well. Um, yeah, pretty remarkable for him to to be still going strong and I think it was only fitting that he bowled the final over of the final um, on Saturday night, took a couple of wickets Um and, yeah, he's just just undoubtedly one of the best T20 players you'd have to say
1: ever at this stage. It's a no-brainer for the Australian selectors, isn't it? They have to pick him for the World Cups coming up. He's 30, okay, yeah, he's 37, but as, as he keeps on saying, old blokes win <laughs> He's now won nine titles around the world. He still wants to play for Australia. Surely they pick him again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this guy is just, even though, yeah, he might not have the the best batting average or he might not have the best bowling average, but just what he does just translates to winning. I mean, he he comes in and bowls those, you know, around the wicket into those into the right-handers pads and he just can't hit it. And then he comes out and makes a 50 off 19 balls. He's just the absolute perfect middle-order player to have in in the Australian team and, yeah, I think that's the, I think the way to go for the Australian selectors, selectors in this T20 World Cup is just pick the best players. Who cares about age? Who cares about
1: reputation? Just go for the people who get it done. On the other end of the scale, the Perth Scorchers, another one of the really successful teams in the history of this competition. But their tactics will be questioned, particularly in the final. Winning the toss and bowling on a good SCG pitch is a interesting one, particularly in a final when you want runs on the board, but ever, ever since the start of the tournament, they were a bit slow to get out of the blocks. It really looked like they wanted to go all out and win this competition. They stacked their top order with their international recruits at the at the top of the order in Jason Roy and Liam, Liam Livingston and Colin Munro, which then pushed the likes of Josh Inglis and Mitchell Marsh and Ashton Turner down the order, which... Turned it into a quite a formidable batting lineup, and it just—I I don't know—I don't know if they got all their tactics completely right going into that last day. And obviously, the injury to Jason Roy before the Challenger final hurt them because they weren't able to keep going and keep going and keep going right from the very top. But it's just something that really—I uh, yeah—it's uh, just something that was interesting to note as to uh, why you win a win the toss in a big final and choose the bowl
0: yeah i think you nailed it there before jono runs on the board certainly proved to be to the Sixers' advantage and um on yeah on the other side uh, to the scorchers detriment that you could largely say that that's what um what put the most pressure on them um in the chase and um yeah i think I think with such a such a batting lineup as the scorchers um it would be hard hard not to not to back them if they were batting first, but um they ultimately the sixers the sixers won out and um deservingly so in the end.
2: one on the scorches um batting line. I mean, obviously with Jason Roy going out for that challenger final. I would have thought I would have put Josh Inglis back up to the top. I mean, obviously he'd settled into that position number four, but I mean, we've we've seen we've seen him open on, on a fair few occasions in white ball cricket. And he's probably more similar to Jason Roy than a Cameron Bancroft is. And yeah, growing up, Bancroft did make that fifty old in the in that in that final but I would have thought Josh Inglis would have been that would have been the perfect opportunity for Inglis to come out and you know play at the top of the order and something that Ricky Ponting actually called for um the week beforehand he was saying that yeah Josh Inglis at the top would have been just a, a no-brainer for the Scorchers through the tournament in general so yeah I was, I was very surprised that they are that they went that that bankrupt route
1: well it would have would have been interesting obviously English not picked for the Australian tour to New Zealand and would have been a very good opportunity to make a good impression for the in the selectors' minds for the next time. But unfortunately, we we won't know what Adam Berger's thinking was. And Cameron Bancroft had played games throughout the tournament. And I wanted to give him an opportunity. to listed as the X factor for God knows how many games in a row. Um, the the third team out, the Heat. They well they went a lot further than a lot of people thought that they would in the, in the end, um, proving a lot of people wrong about some of the talent that they had on their list, as well as their ability to execute and win games, um, would successful run for the heat will. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, similar basket to the
0: scorches after the first few games, I think they were, lost their first three or four games that then, um, and yeah, gained a bit of momentum. And I think the um, inclusion of Marus Labischain for the heat was absolutely huge. We saw his ability to impact the game with bat and ball, um, and I think yeah, that was just one thing that really, really spurred them on and gave them um, lots more momentum heading into the finals. Um, I think um, it shows how close the season was as well. That even though they started started uh, pretty poorly, um, they still managed to get a good strong run into the finals. Yeah,
2: I thought the, the impact of Minus was huge for the Heat. And yeah, obviously maybe try and not not get the, in the play mic next time. It was a bit uh a bit annoying on some occasions there. But yeah, he was awesome. And I thought, yeah, the Brisbane Heat in general just really um yeah, that, I swear they 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 just went into the games against the odds every time. And you know, we saw Sam heaslet come out, Jimmy Pearson, they were just absolutely fantastic. So yeah, if you're a Brisbane Brisbane Heat fan, you'd be very, very happy with with what the team produced this season. And yeah, you've definitely got some some stars on the rise there.
1: A surprising aspect of that challenger final was well, it was pleasing for the player, but Xavier Bartlett um didn't get x factored out after bowling the first over, which had been the case over the recent Brisbane Heat games. They did bowl the first over and make way for Monet what Morkel, but not not to be in this game. Instead, it was Mark Steckerty, who was really surprisingly x factored out for Monet. I thought that was one of the more interesting moves and plays of Will's favourite rule over the entire tournament. Um, that might have potentially been where the Brisbane Heat lost the game right there. I, th-
0: I think you're right there again, John. I think um why well, try to fix something that isn't broken? Obviously, it had been working for them to to sub out Xavier Bartlett. Um, and I think I mean, it was even more head-scratching that they they subbed out Steckity instead. Obviously, he was... It was up there probably in the top five or six wicket takers for the competition, but um,
1: second on the yeah, list. I d-
0: don't. Yeah. Yeah. Second. Yeah. So I don't think, don't think that would have really been the the end to the season he was hoping for.
1: No, and you could, you could see on his face when he was walking off, he was rightfully miffed about it as well. And fair enough. And you, you don't, you don't want to say it was like, you know, calm as a karma or anything, but he, he must've felt like, you know, what, you know, says, says you're right a little bit, Chris. Um, so overall, uh, successful competition as we spoke about last year. Um, Zach, give me a player whose stocks rose and who put their name forward to potentially represent Australia in the future. Yeah, there are there are a few young players who
2: really um really impressed throughout the tournament. Um, you got your Josh Philippes who was selected in the uh, in the Australian squad, Tamir Sangers. But I'm going to go for the for the cult hero of the tournament from the Melbourne Renegades, the uh the, the legs spinner Peter Hatzoglu. Just absolutely fantastic to see a player who really no one knew about poor tournament. Let's be honest, um, go out and yeah have a great impact, and that's, that's what I think the Big Bash is all about. So yeah, un- un- unearthing the, these talented players and yeah you know, putting them putting them into the limelight for, for for future success. And yeah, I think Peter has got a big future in the in the competition.
0: I think uh, one for mine as well would be Tim David from the Hurricanes. We'd seen him sort of stuck behind the firepower at the scorches, um, in the last couple of seasons where he'd been. And uh, I think since, since the end of BBL nine, he he'd played a couple of international games for Singapore. Um, but obviously as a local player, he's still, still eligible for Australia. Um, I think, yeah, he was just super consistent, um, for the hurricanes in the middle order there, good ability to come in and score a quick 20 or 25, um, towards the end of the innings. I think, um, yeah, I think if the Aussie selectors are looking for a specialist middle order bats in the future, I think he'd definitely
1: be in the frame. Definitely one who really liked the power surge over his, um, Tim David. He really took advantage of that. I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go for someone that you mentioned just before, Zach. I think Jimmy Pearson really took his game to a new level um, over this Big Bash and really showed how um, diverse and how um, unique he can be batting in that middle order and his ability to go through the gears and really take games deep and build an in innings as well I think he definitely put his name forward for some limited overs cricket in the future but or maybe even some longer form cricket in the future but there's a bit of a line forming as well a bit closer to home the Australian t tea tourney team is over in New Zealand they're in quarantine before they're five-match T20 series. Aaron Finch calls this New Zealand series with, well, a number of first-choice players out. He calls it a fact-finding mission. And I'm just wondering, what are they going to uncover? It looks as if Josh Phillippe will get a gig when you revealed what the top five might look like. And do you think that top five that he mentioned, so Wade, Finch, Philippi, Maxwell, Stoinis, do you think we're going to be looking at something like that heading into the T20 World Cup? So would you be looking to slot the likes of David Warner and Stephen Smith back in?
2: I'll be, so I'll be putting um, David Warner and Smith back in. I think that their class um, with the white ball has been you know, proven over many years, but it's going to be very interesting to see what, what what they do uncover on this tour. And I'm, I'm most excited to, to watch Josh Philippi back, to be honest. I mean, He's someone who absolutely deserves a shot at, at the big time in the international cricket. And I think that if he can have a great tournament, um, it's a great series here. He can put some serious pressure on the likes of Glenn Maxwell, Marcus Stonis, um, in that middle order. And yeah, it's the men's spot.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think Josh Phillip is definitely going to be an exciting prospect. And I, I think um, as well, just the selection headaches, a good headaches to have at the moment. Obviously, a, a pretty good depth of of talent um for the aussies especially based on based on the big bash but i like that um some of the some of the younger guys and maybe less experienced guys are perhaps getting a bit bit more of a crack um crack at the international level so yeah i think philip
1: is definitely going to be exciting to watch certainly one to watch for everyone who's excited about the future of Australian cricket. Who, well, they effectively wrapped up another season over the weekend with their cricket Australia Awards, handing out both the Alan Border Medal and the Belinda Clark Medal. And to no surprise, we'll start with the Belinda Clark medal. To absolutely no surprise, Beth Mooney took out the top gong as just being one of one of the most consistent players across all the formats for Australia for a long time now. And her first season in Orange for the Perth Scorchers, a wonderful, wonderful 12 months for Beth Mooney, player of the T20 World Cup back in March and back in February, March. And it's just been a fantastic number of years for Beth and Julie rewarded, whereas with the men, Stephen Smith, he just went on and won his third honour. And it was a lot of those runs in that voting period were made at the SCG with three centuries there over the course of a number of months, two one-day centuries, and that big Test 100 in the New Year's Test. It's been another, despite the unfortunate loss in the Test Series, that crazy Test Series, it's been another fantastic summer cricket year in Australia, and credit to Cricket Australia and all the boards and all the broadcasters for getting all the cricket that they've wanted to get on on. For sure. And just back to your point on Beth Mooney. I mean,
2: she's one who probably is, is a bit unsung in women's um, international cricket. I mean, you've got the stars of Alyssa Healy, Elise Perry, Meg Lanning, who take all the headlines. So just fantastic to see her get some recognition um, by this award. And because she is definitely one of the absolute stars of the game. And to be and, and we'll definitely will, will, will be remembered as one of the pioneers of um, Australian women's cricket. So it's great to see her win that award. And as for Steve Sith I mean it's just it's, it's, it's just great you know recognition of you know the talent that he is. I mean to come back from all that adversity I mean we had sandpaper gate and everything that went with that he finally come back and, and, and win another Allen Border medal was just an absolute credit to himself and I thought maybe Pat Cummins could have been in the conversation there I mean he had a fantastic year but probably those ODIs in the end got him over the line so absolutely no
1: um, no problems here on the on the awards another fantastic round and before we finish off it's time for a few of these so quick singles it's the time of the show towards the end where we're just trying to get some late runs at the back of the innings and we're just going to piff questions at each other um will to you first who was the bbl recruit of the year
0: that's a it's a great question, Jean. I think there were definitely definitely a few few key recruits, but you'd be hard pressed to look past Dan Christian for the Sixers. Obviously, winning the title and um, yeah, just a really good contributor throughout the season with bat and ball. So yeah, hard to go past Dan Christian for that one. Um, and Zach, I'll put this put this one to you. So England currently playing their third of seventeen tests. Um, in 2021, with 14 left to go and Joe Root already having scored 680-odd runs, uh, how many more runs will he score this calendar? Oh,
2: it's just a crazy thing to think about. I mean, he's already at, he's already almost at 1,000, so you'd be thinking he'll, he'll get over 2,000 and could potentially push three the way he's going. So I reckon he'll, he'll probably end up around 2,200, I reckon. He's going to have a big, big year. Mohammed Yusuf, watch out. Your record is in danger. In danger. <laughs> He's just started. Like, it's just crazy stuff. Um, for you now, Jono, is there a more box office cricketer than Rishabh Pine?
1: I, I think him and Ben Stokes are in a class of their own in terms of box office. Those two can do pretty much anything they want with a bat in hand. It's unbelievable to watch. And as we said earlier in the show, you have to be watching your TV when they're out in the middle batting and it's, yeah, I'd, I'd say he definitely is. There's probably no more box office cricketer in the world at the moment than Rishabh Pant. Um, to you, Zach, um, in the spirit of the recent Super Bowl and talking about greatest of all time, who is the Tom Brady of international cricket?
2: Oh, we we, we all love comparing um, comparing sports, don't we, Jono? Um Oh, it's got to be also. Awesome. Steve Smith is the best and probably the greatest since Bradman. So I'm probably going to have to go Steve Smith. I mean, yeah. Um, the the, the stuff that brady has been able to do is just immense, and Steve Smith is definitely on that on that plane. So I'm going to go Steve on for you now, Will. Um, how many changes will Australia make to their Test team come the first Ashes Test?
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely definitely a good um, good question and one that often gets a lot of a lot of air heading into heading into the Test and um, no. No cricket between, or no Test cricket between now and the Ashes, um, currently scheduled at the moment. So um, you'd have to think that from from the Test at the Gabba, you'd think that Pukowski goes out for Marcus Harris, um, and you'd think that probably a Travis Head or um, yeah or someone else slots in slots in at number five ahead of Matthew Wade, who obviously um, was going to miss out on Test selection in South Africa, um, and I think. I think, yeah, I think it's touch and go with the bowlers. If they're looking for a homeboy, I think Michael Nisa could be a red-hot shot at a test spot, bit of a smoky um, come that first test at the Gabba. So I think I'll say two or three. And just on that as well, Jono, um, do you think Australia should look to schedule a series between now and, and that first Ashes test?
1: One hundred percent, yes. That would be absolutely stupid to not try and get some extra cricket in before the test series rolls around obviously they're banking on luck falling their way for them to get to that world test championship final at lords in june but that probably not they have to wish for a lot of things to go right for that to happen so and they've only got the one test right before the Ashes series with afghanistan coming over to perth to finally play that test match so yes hundred percent if they can organize a bilateral series, whether or not it be here or across the ditch in New Zealand, 100% do it. Zach, we're about to start the second half of the Sheffield Shield season. All the Australian players who were meant to be in South Africa won't be in South Africa. Instead, they'll be playing in the Shield, really boosting that competition. Who is the most to prove in the back half of the Shield season?
2: It's got to be Joe Burns. Um, I mean, he had a, a summer to forget at Test level, and even at the start of the Shield season. So he has to come out there with you know a fresh mindset. You know, no no real pressure on Australian selection. So he has a lot to prove this um, for the remaining four games and see whether he can get back to that top form. Jono, can India cancel that no ball siren
1: that they have? Um, please, can they? It's very, very, it was weird when I first heard it, but then you eventually got used to it and then it came back and it was just like, well, good way to let everyone know in the stadium that you stuffed up and you overstepped when you're not meant to. And certainly in that first innings, I think India bowled something like over 20 no balls. So it went off quite a lot. And yeah, there's certainly an easier way to alert the umpire. They are wearing earpieces, so... I mean, maybe just a wisp in the earpiece, like it is a no ball um, instead of just setting up a big, big siren. <laughs> and one for you, you Will, to finish off. Is there more stars in the sky than grains of sand on the earth? Well, you'd have to say, Jono,
0: that this is one of life's great questions. <laughs> um, and in, a, in a funny funny subplot to the week, um, it was one that befuddled Shane Warne as well. Um, <laughs> I'm certainly certainly not um, of the knowledge to comment on that, but um, but yeah, oh, Warnie, um, he was, he was definitely befuddled by that one. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a it's a tricky one. You, you don't know, don't know how how expansive the universe is, but um, but the Earth certainly has a lot of grades of sand. I'm
1: I'm going to probably be probably be pretty close. I'm sure Warnie would have done all his research by the time he's on commentary next, and he'll tell us all about it. Oh, he certainly will. You can bank on that, I reckon. Uh, Fantastic, boys. As always, it's a pleasure coming together and talking about this fantastic and bonkers game that we all love so much. And I'm sure we'll be back to do it all again next week. Thanks so much. Cheers, boys. Yeah, cheers, boys. Great to chat. That is over and stumps for another week.